Welcome to Ben Worthy, the podcast, a special conversation series that provides a safe space for women of color to share their worthy aha moment. I'm your host, Dominique Clark. And sis, I'm here to remind you that you've been worthy. Hey, y'all, we are back with another incredible episode and another amazing woman whose story I get to share with you by the name of Charlie Cooper. This episode is entitled Can't Stop, Won't Stop because Charlie's story is truly that of resiliency. She's a fighter and she's been true to her dreams over the years and she's truly reaping the benefits of her hard work and dedication. Let me give you a little bit more about Charlie. She's an on-air host, an entertainment reporter, an entrepreneur who has been in the journalism game for over a decade. She's worked in television, editorial, and social media through her career, including a recent stint serving as a main host and producer of Rolling Stone Magazine's daily show, on Twitch. She currently reports for the Broadway show, a New York City-based nationally syndicated weekly show that airs in over 170 markets across the country. Okay. Some other notable career stops Charlie has made along the way include CBS New York, Essence Magazine, and BET Networks. She loves doing live events coverage and has done so at major festivals including Coachella, Lollapalooza, and South by Southwest. She's recently taken on serial entrepreneur entrepreneurship as a full-time content creator and I'm super super excited to share her with you today. We met years ago at an industry event that we were both exclusively selected for and we'll share a little bit about that more in the show so I hope you enjoy it. Sit back and listen. Okay Miss Charlie, how are you? How's your spirit today? I am doing well. I love that question. How's your spirit? That's like so different because people are always like, how are you? And it just, you know, garners the very basic, like, eh, you yeah. know, I'm okay. But I love the, how's your spirit? Um, I'm doing well though. I am doing well, tired. Yeah. I feel like my body is very tired. I'm like fighting a cold right now, but you know, oh, no. we're, we're just, we're making it happen. We're, I'm always on go. So I don't have time to like so like stop, you know what I mean? Which is probably kind of toxic, but whatever. <laughs> but you're making it. You're making right. it. You're here. You look fantastic. I'm so excited and honored for your yes to share your story. Um, can we talk about how we met really quickly? Because it's really an interesting story. Yes. So back in 2019, we were invited. Uh, 21 of us were invited to the American Black Fist Film Festival in Miami. Um, NBC Universal hosted a hosting workshop for entertainment um, personalities, correspondents, TV anchors, all the things. And we got to be in the room and participate yes. in that, which was such an honor. Um, and we met and a group of us kind of clung together and we hung tight that whole weekend. We did. We did. It was such a good time. And honestly, I just love seeing everybody flourish over the years too. And just like keeping up with everybody's lives, their yeah. careers, but also their like family lives as well. And just kind of seeing everybody bloom and blossom. That's been really rewarding. And, and, you know, like in a group of that many talented people, yeah. what, what else is the option, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. It was so natural for all of us to get together and talk about our experiences. And like you said, stay connected over the years. I cherish those type of moments. When I go to events like that, 
it is more so for the relationships for me that yep. I can build and get out of that than more than anything. But, you know, it was an eventful weekend. Can we talk about <laughs> that? It was, it was a lot going on. <laughs> I, we almost fought an Airbnb host. <laughs> oh my God. That was a hot mess. Like on, on so many different levels. <laughs> The Airbnb had, I think that didn't have like gnats or bugs or something like that. And then like Airbnb host was mad because there were extra people visiting. And it's yeah. just like, what is happening right now? And no one was even supposed to be here. So yeah. like the fact that someone is staying watching. here, literally watching, wasn't it like behind some sort of like separator or something? Yeah. The weirdest situation, the weirdest situation. But you know what? I'm not even surprised because I feel like these kinds of like random things happen to me all the time. <laughs> It's almost to be expected now. <laughs> but what I loved most talking about the relationships, we had probably known each other for 24 hours. If that, no, I think it was day one. Yes. We moved into this Airbnb, but the girls that we had all uh, connected with, we were like, no, we're not leaving you in this Airbnb. We came and yes. scooped you and all your things to make exactly. sure you were safe. And um, yes, you know. <laughs> exactly. That and, and truly like y'all really did come through because I don't know what I would have otherwise done. And I would have been, extremely uncomfortable and more focused on this Airbnb situation yeah. versus being at ABFF and really thoroughly enjoying it and cultivating these relationships. So honestly, everything happens for a reason. And like to this day, so grateful to you guys because uh, that was a mess. <laughs> we were going to leave you hanging. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we definitely bonded through that moment and had a time. So I'm super grateful for that experience. Um, but can we talk about your journey one of the things I love, and, and I've I've called this episode Can't Stop, Won't, Won't Stop, because I have been so inspired by your journey. Talk about the ups and downs in this industry and still keeping the dream at the forefront, getting back yeah. up after you've been knocked down seven times and still winning, right? And, and, and exactly. not allowing the challenges or what may seem like defeat prevent you from moving forward. So talk about how you started your start in journalism and how you ultimately ended up as a TV reporter for Broadway.com. Yes, definitely. I feel like my story really um, brings to life that quote of like betting on yourself. And, and I don't think that I ever like take a step back to think about it. It just comes naturally to me because I am a risk taker and I, I love trying new things. I'm always like, it's gonna. My saying is always like, I'm either gonna sink or swim, and I'm never gonna sink. You know, it's like kind of having that belief in yourself. Um, but okay, so I started out in this industry. I always start my story saying that I started out in Roanoke, Virginia. But the truth is, um, in college, <laughs> I was interested in journalism. Initially, started out pre med, and that was a horrible idea. And, Same, uh, girl. I my degrees in biology. I was pre med. No. Yes. No, I had no idea. Yes. That's crazy. So my dad was like pushing me to be yes. pre-med, hated it, failed my first semester. And my parents weren't used to me like failing. So they were just like, what's what's up? And I was like, well, I'm doing the thing you want me to do. Yes. Um, and so my dad's like, you know what? Moving forward, you're going to pursue what you want to do. And we'll see if things change. Completely changed naturally because that's where my heart was. Yes. And um, I kind of told myself after I graduate, I want to move to New York City. It's so funny because my whole journey is like, Kind of centered around wanting to return back to New York City or like live in New York City. 
And so um, I moved to New York City and I worked in editorial. I, I had worked at Essence Magazine. I started out as an intern and then moved um, up to a weekend editor um, slash writer. Had worked at BT for a little bit. Um, I worked at a startup called Rank and Style that was incredible and so pivotal in my career. I had three badass female bosses and they just showed me that like women can literally do anything. Like they were, talk about inspiring, being able to work with them so closely every single day to build this brand from the ground up was incredible. They introduced me to so many like interesting people, took me to so many incredible events. And it's really interesting because a lot of the times I think about um, mentorship and I think about how once I really got into the field of journalism, I wouldn't say that I have a ton of mentors and that I ever really had a ton of mentors, but they for sure were my first group of mentors who taught me how um, pivotal or how important having mentors um, are. And then also being one as well. Like you literally don't know how much you can change somebody's life by um, taking them under your wing. And so love them, appreciate them forever. Um, but did that for a bit and had a stint in New York City that was wild and really got my feet wet in the journalism industry, worked at Twist Magazine, which was crazy because I had read that as a kid. Um, but I, at one point I was kind of like, you know what, I want to learn how to tell stories more critically um, and how to just think more critically as far as journalism goes. So I was like, you know what, let me go to grad school and kind of like hone my skills and kind of work in local news. Because I imagine that, yes, you're storytelling, but there are different elements that come with doing yeah. local news versus entertainment. And I had only known entertainment at that time. So I went to grad school. My first market outside of grad school was Roanoke, Virginia. And it's really interesting because like you hear all the time, like you're going to have to start in market 200. You're going to have to do all of these things. And I've always been a believer, like I'm going to try, you know what I mean? Like if I've got to start there, I'm going to try to start here. And if I do fine, but I'm going to try to start here, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. So I started in a mid-sized market, which was a huge blessing. And I recognize that as a blessing and stayed there for a little over a year. Um, but was like, you know what? I think there's more for me. I think that I can go somewhere else and do bigger things and be challenged on a greater level, contribute to whatever community um, on a greater scale. And um, so at the time I started applying, I got an offer from um, Ken's Five in San Antonio. And I was like, okay, bye. Like, yeah. <laughs> but bye. But I will say I appreciated Roanoke because, and I probably shouldn't say this, but at the time I did not know how to drive. Like, did yeah. not know how to drive. I was grown, by the way, like 25, literally. <laughs> 25, which is a shame. I think I learned how to drive, like, officially, technically, in grad school right before that job. But I had never really driven outside of my driver's classes, you know? Yeah. So I learned how to drive on news vehicles. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> on news vehicles. And it, I feel like Roanoke was the perfect market to learn that because, like, if you've driven around different parts of Southwest Virginia, you know that, like, you might be driving in the snow up a tiny hill with no like railing, like the scariest areas yeah. kind of thing. So it really just tests your skills. Um, got a lot of tickets in that market, not going to lie, but <laughs> learned, learned how to drive on news cars. Um, but loved that job as well, um, just as a foundational job and um, getting my feet wet, wet when it comes when it came to um, local news. Went to San Antonio, loved it there. I was there for a little over two years. Um, and I didn't want to leave necessarily, but I knew that like, I kept feeling the pull of entertainment on me. And I knew that that was something that I wanted to get back to. Um, and I feel like everybody around me was kind of like, I can see you doing this. And 
I could see me doing it. Yeah. And San Antonio was very comfortable. And although I could have stayed, um, I had great relationships there with everybody I worked with. It was a fantastic market, loved working there, but I just felt like this is not my forever place. And this is not where I'm going to be able to attain what I want to attain. And I knew that New York was calling me. It was really, really difficult because whenever I would apply to places, they'd be like, okay, we see that you have experience, but it's hard for us to picture you in an entertainment role because we're seeing you cover all types of things that are entertainment, like fires and homicides. And, you know, yeah. so that was a really big challenge for me, even getting in touch with some of my contacts who I had worked with in the past in New York. It was, it was challenging. Cause it was like, okay, there's been several years span. And like, yes, we've seen you do this work, but we haven't seen you do it on camera. And like your on camera presence is very like serious and very, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to sell my car. I'm going to just go and sink or swim. Again, that mentality, sink or swim. I was like, I'm going to figure it out. Because um, a lot of the times you just have to be on the ground. And the way that I know New York to work, you could meet the right person anywhere kind of thing. Yeah. But you've got to be there. Yeah. You absolutely have to be there. And the irony of my New York experience was when I got back to New York, I was like, I'm not working in local news. Like I am just gung ho about like just doing entertainment. I'm not taking any local news job. And then I get a job, uh, a call from CBS to New York. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> okay. See, I think we met in that sink or swim moment because after that trip in Miami, I think you told us you were getting ready to move to New York. Yes, yes. You were yes. living like weeks away from moving to New York and starting over there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Crazy to even think about that. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so it was just nuts. I got the call and I was just like, you know what? Who says no to CBS New York? Like this is, who says no to <laughs> the number two station in the biggest market? You know what I mean? I was just like, that seems, I, I feel like I would regret this. So let me just take it and see where it goes. And it was a blessing in disguise. Granted, there were elements of the experience that weren't the greatest. As we know, some newsrooms can be toxic here and there. We've all all experienced it in different ways, but it definitely gave me tougher skin. Um, reporting in this market taught me so much and it gave me the opportunity to anchor. Um, I actually anchored this show. It was a very interesting concept. It was a um, show that was being anchored out of New York for an Atlanta station. So it was really interesting um, kind of trying to, I guess, build some sort of relationship and connection with um, PIOs and all that stuff in a whole different market and tell yeah. stories that were relevant to an entirely different market while being in New York. Um, but I loved that team. My team kind of reduced to like just a few people. So it was very intimate. I got a lot of say. Um, it was very, very hands-on and I learned so much. So I felt like that CBS experience was it was meant to happen. But in the midst of all of that, prior to me getting that anchoring role there, I was reporting and I didn't love it. I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't love it. Um, and so I was kind of like, you know what? I'm doing this. But I came to New York saying I want to do entertainment. Yeah. I need to start applying for entertainment roles. And if CBS sticks around, great. But if not, then great. Like whatever happens, happens. But I know that I want to be in entertainment. Yeah. So I'm applying for a bunch of entertainment jobs. I ended up getting the Broadway job and I was about to quit CBS. And then they offered me the anchoring position. And I was like, it's you both. Whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it happen. But so it's interesting because I said I could do both. But when I really started to think about it and really had to live it out, it um, proved to be a little more challenging than what I expected. But then the pandemic hit and the pandemic for me 
was a gift and a curse because obviously very sad situation. But in this case, um, where I was trying to juggle two things, um, I ended up getting laid off at CVS during the pandemic. And I was like, blessing in disguise because yeah. I didn't necessarily have to quit. So I didn't leave on negative terms. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Um, and then I was able to do Broadway and thankfully, um, it stuck around throughout the pandemic. So a lot of like stage actors were doing movies and shows and stuff like that instead and transitioning in that way. So I was able to chat with them via zoom and talk about some of their new opportunities and new, um, things that they were doing. So it was incredible. And I will forever be grateful for Broadway because they have come through for me over and over and over and over again. So, and I've just loved my team. I've loved the work that I've been able to do and the connections I've been able to make. Now you also had a daily show with Rolling Stone. Can we talk about that? Oh yeah. I completely <laughs> so that was a big yeah, deal. There's always like a million things going on. <laughs> Literally a million things going on. Okay. So Rolling Stone, where did that fit in? It fit in. So I was doing Broadway stuff. I think during the, was it, I don't know if it was during the pandemic or not. I can't yeah. even remember, but um, at some point, because um, I'm doing Broadway as a freelancer. Yeah. So at some point I started applying for other positions in different areas. I knew I wanted to still freelance at Broadway because it's so flexible at this yeah. point. Um, but I knew I wanted something full-time and Rolling Stone, like literally people are always like, how are you getting these jobs? I'm like, LinkedIn. Like, I promise you, it's not even like, I don't know nobody. You know what I mean? LinkedIn and God, that's it. Okay. You know I mean? That part. Literally. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, but yes, I got that role as a producer and a host um, for Rolling Stone on Twitch, which was an incredible, another opportunity that like, honestly, I feel like every one of these um, jobs have served like just such major purposes yeah. um, in my life. And I feel like that one really just solidified me in the entertainment industry. And oh, sure. um, I no longer have that issue of like, oh, I can't really see you being a personality or I can't really see you doing entertainment because I did so much of it. Um, our show was a daily show, but also we uh, did festival coverage that would be like five hour long festival coverage. You know what I mean? Um, and it was just so hands-on because my, my co-host and I, were producing the entire thing and conceptualizing everything. And so I learned so much. It's great to have that like producer credit now and know how everything works from behind the scenes. And um, another situation where like very intimate team, very small team. So like, I, I it, it was just an incredible opportunity to be able to have my hands on everything. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, same thing, similar situation, like got laid off. My team kind of disbanded because of whatever. Yeah. Um, and it is what it is. It is what it is there. But I, I, I did feel like when it all happened, I felt like it was the right time. You know, sometimes you feel like things have ran its course and like you're yes. ready. Yes. That's exactly how I felt. So, and also in these situations, because I had been laid off before, I'm very like into, I, I guess like I can tell when something's about to go down. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. So I'm yeah. like, how, what can I do to start preparing myself? Like, let, let me start working on this reel. Let me start like putting out feelers and kind of doing some other things that may interest. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians, Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist, Rolanda Watts. 
shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. me as well so so I can imagine and and we've kind of alluded to this that there have been challenges along the way like I said the industry is not easy trying to find one job and really find something that fits and fits to like you said what you really want to be doing where your personality and gifting can really shine Mm -hmm. Um, I was listening to this guy on Instagram and he was like you know who are you when ish hits the fan when stuff goes south, like we know who we are when things are going our way, you know, we're getting what we want. We're smiling. We're happy. But who are you when they don't, whether it's yeah. a physical thing, whether it's a career thing, whether it's a familiar thing, whatever, who are you? And that person in those moments are who raises your kids, you know, yeah. or who your kids are learning from. That person is who your parents raise. That person is who is going to have a negative or positive impact and effect on the world. And Mm. so I was like, man, who am I Mm -hmm. when things are going south? So who have you been when things have not necessarily gone your way? I think honestly, hearing you say that, the first word that came to mind was a fighter. Yeah. 100%. Because I I think that's the type of person that my parents raised, like, Mm -hmm it's going to work out one way or another. And we don't figure out a way. I don't know how just yet, but it's going to work out. Um, And I think that that just comes from the fact that like my family came here as immigrants from Liberia due to the civil war. And like, just, you have to, I mean, in a situation like that, you got to make it work. It's literally life or death. And so I think just that fighter mentality and that fighter spirit has always been in my parents. And they've just instilled that in um, to my siblings and I, and they've always just told us like, you can literally do whatever you want. Like one thing I will, I will give my parents credit for, like they always made me feel like I was that girl. Even when it was like, clearly you're not that girl, but I'm gonna tell you, you that girl. You know what I mean? Or I'm gonna tell you that you can literally do anything you put your mind to and you're just gonna have to figure it out. If somebody else can do it, what my my mom always says, um, what man can do, man can still do. And it's so true. It's like, if this person can do it, why can't you do it? Like literally, absolutely nothing is impossible. And even if you haven't seen it done yet, there are plenty of things that have happened in life that we've lived through 
that weren't done before that are now part of our norm. So why couldn't you be that change maker or that person who makes something happen for yourself that you want to make happen? So I would probably say a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. What drives you? What, what gets you up in the morning? What, what keeps you ticking during the day? Yeah. I'd probably say, and this is, I don't know if this is weird, but like for me, what drives me are my unborn children and my like family that doesn't exist quite yet. Um, I think a lot of the things that I've done in life from back in the day, from college, from high school, I've always thought about like, what example do, and what legacy do I want to leave behind for my children who don't exist yet? Um, what kind of empire do I want to build with my husband who I haven't met yet? Um, and what do I want to do for my, my family, my, um, immediate family that in a way that I can give back to them, but also give back to my community. My mom has always been so, so big on giving back because again, we came here as refugees and literally we made it because other people gave to us and because other people lended that hand. Like if we didn't have that, who knows, you know what I mean? So like, she's always like growing up, we would always during Christmas and Thanksgiving when, when it came a point where we did have it, she always made it a point for us to like find kids in the local schools who were needy to give to. And like, you know what I mean? Or like go to someone's house that like, maybe she had a friend who had told her about a family that was struggling or their family member that was struggling. And we would go to their home and bring turkeys and all that stuff, because those were the things that people did for us. So I always kind of think about like my, my family that doesn't exist yet my family that does exist. And then like other people who I can give back to. I love that. I, (laughs) and I've not heard that, you know, most of the time our why or people's why's are wrapped up in the here and now. So Mm. I love that. Um, you're thinking about something that hasn't even manifested yet, but know that we'll want to make sure you have something on the table to provide them. I, think that is incredible. I love that. So here at Been Worthy, the podcast, uh, one of the questions I ask every guest is about their worthy aha moment. And so this moment is when you realize not only were you worthy of all the things you could desire in life, family, career, love, um, whatever it may be that you were worthy not only were you worthy, but you've been worthy and started moving and thinking accordingly. Now, you know, for some people, that is one moment. For a lot of us, it's several events that kind of remind us of who we are. And we start, you know, we straighten up and walk a little taller. But can you recall a moment in your life or moments in your life where you're like, man, I've been worthy. Let me start moving like that. Ooh, that is, I love that question. That's such a great question. Um, I would probably say, my first thought was honestly my thirties Yeah, has like, just as a whole, it's been like, but I can't even necessarily just give my thirties credit. I think that I think I mentioned my family, my parents, but also my sister who has like served as a second mother to me has always kind of tried to instill that in me growing up. Um, and it was just great to have her example to look up to as well as my mom's and, you know, my other family members as well. But when I talk about, when I think about the women in my family, my sister Zoe, um, has always just instilled that in me and has reminded me of that, um, in addition to my mom. Um, but I want to say like, I really like, so although I knew that I was worthy, I really stepped into that. I won't even say season. Cause I guess it's a lifestyle yeah, <laughs> like yeah. in my thirties, yeah. like 
you realize, and I don't know where this saying came from in my life, but one day I literally just realized like, people don't care as much as you think they do. You know what I mean? And so, and I don't know if like living in New York City the first time when I was in my early twenties, I kind of realized that, like that kind of clicked for me. Yeah. Um, and I realized that you you can like walk into a room like you own the place. I love to say like walk into the room like you yeah. own the place. Period. Because the way you walk in is the way that people interpret it. Like perception is reality. So if you walk in and like you own it, they don't think you own it. Yes. You know? Yes. And so, um, and so even knowing all of that, I feel like stepping into my 30s really showed me that, like, you know what? This is yours for the taking. Like, this is like, don't just know this stuff, but own it, walk in it, and um also encourage the people around you to as well. Like, I feel like I have. Um, a great support system, a great group of friends, great group of like just people in my corner in general who I also try to like remind this stuff to on a regular basis. Yeah. So much so that like now it's a thing where we remind one another. So because you know I'm not always up here. Yeah, many days like, where I'm down here and I'm just like God, what is going on? Like, what did I do? What did I, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> and I'm reminded by these same people who, when they're low. And I'm encouraging, I'm reminded by them that, girl, no, we're not going to do this. And one thing that I feel like my 30s also taught me is like, you can experience something, but don't stay there. And I think that just knowing that has just like changed my life so much. So I like my friend and I have this thing where we're like, we give each other 24 hours. It depends on what it is, but it's like 24 <laughs> hours to like salt about something. Sometimes for me is like a week or a month. Um, Look, give take the time you need, girl. Okay. <laughs> Give myself that time. But after that, you got to get back up. You got to like come back harder. You got to all of the things. So I would probably give my 30s a lot of credit, but also yeah. my sister, my mom, other family members and my friends. Shout out to the group chat. I know right now the group chats are on yes. mute, but the group chats have really saved me how many a day. So I'm so appreciative of that. And I love how you talked about the time frame that you give yourself because my mom always told me you got 48 hours. Yes. Fight it out, yes. fight it out, stay in the bed, do whatever you have to do. But after that 48 hours, it's time to get up and make something happen. Like we yep. have the ability to choose what we want. You know, 100%. sometimes it's just yeah. a matter of making a decision. And so you can choose to stay down and be defeated or you can get up and make something happen and the change that's necessary in your life. So I love that. My mom instilled that in me too. Like you said, sometimes it's a little bit longer than 48 hours. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> It just sets the precedent that this is, I won't be here long, exactly. right? I'm not going to stay in this space long. I'm going to give myself the time that I need, but I will be coming out of it. Absolutely. And one thing that you said too, that uh, you talked about walking in the room confidently, like you own the place. One of the things I always say is that we always, I feel like we always are waiting on the room to validate us right? To make mm. us feel like we belong. When the reality is if God has sent us somewhere, if he has called us to occupy yes. a space, that room is in need of whatever it is we have on the inside of us. Yes. So we do need to walk in there like we have confidence and we own the place because we were sent there and we are in that space. It's a very intentional thing. Yes. Something for us to do, someone who's meant to connect with us, someone who's meant to hear our story or just be inspired by the courage of us continuing on or you know pursuing whatever it is that we have going on or just Absolutely. our presence sometimes exactly. it's just your presence <laughs> right 
Right. And you know, one thing that I feel like I don't get nervous very, very often, but I do get nervous here and there. And one thing that I try to do when I get nervous walking into a room, um, I always tell myself, you're the expert of your own life. You know what I mean? Like these people are going to ask you about your life. They're going to ask you about what's going on, work, whatever. You're the expert of your own life. So like, just take a breath and like go in there, yeah. you know? Yeah. So who is Charlie uninterrupted? So if at every intersection, the light isn't yellow, it isn't red, it's green. What would you build? Who would you be? Who would I be? That's a tough question. Um, uh, can we rephrase it? Yeah, how would you? Okay. So if there was never a challenge in your okay. life, okay. If, if there were never any hurdles for you to climb over, would it be, and I and I hate to put this out there because I don't want you to, would it be Broadway or would it be okay the Charlie Cooper TV show, tune in with us, you know, weekdays or whatever? Gotcha. Okay. Yep. But if there was never an obstacle, if there was never a job that you had to apply for and get approved for, what would you be doing if all signs were go? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because I want to say that a while ago, and this is still true, it would probably be me being on like some sort of network, like Good Morning America, something yeah. like that. That is like dream for me, you know what I mean? But I think lately, and it still is, but I think lately I've been kind of thinking about, and I, th I don't know if it was because of like this production work that I've been able to do kind of yeah. behind the scenes, but that's been really intriguing to me too. And just like a production company, because I think yeah. about just, also providing opportunities for other people. And oftentimes when you're the front facing talent, you are the center of attention, you are the focal point and that's great and that's beautiful. And obviously you can use your platform to elevate other people, which is what I would love to do. But there's nothing like better than like being able to hire people who look like me. You yeah. know what I mean? I know so many talented people who look like me, who look like, not like me. And um, so I think just like building something that um allows me to mentor other people um allows me to learn from other people because yeah. sometimes the people you're mentoring can teach you a whole lot too you yeah. know what i mean yeah. so like just creating a space um where people can do the things that they love um be creative pour into each other and just create dope shit yeah you know so, yeah so i think it's a little bit of both like would love to attain that dream of gma but also yeah. would love to be able to build my own thing that um allows me to i guess lift while i climb yeah well we're gonna ma manifest gma and i'm gonna be your co-host yeah. <laughs> yes. amen okay and we're just gonna lead america in great commentary great absolutely and it is done sis give okay. them we, something they've never seen about. that's okay. it <laughs> I love that. And when it happens, we're going to play this clip back. Okay. We are going to play this clip back and the world is going to be amazed at how far we've come and the fact that yes. we actually made this ish happen. Okay. Okay. That part. <laughs> Seriously. Well, one of the things I love is that you also haven't been afraid to pivot and explore yeah. the other parts of you, the other passions and love, uh, different loves that you, you have. And so we know you love travel. We know you love food um, and appreciate a good meal and a, just a variety of meals and things. And mm -hmm. so I love being able to see you creating beautiful destinations for people through your Airbnb, mm -hmm. but also your travel um, abroad 
and showing people different parts of the world and culinary and all the things. And even just locally too, like the great stuff that's, you know, local to you that people should try. Um, and I, I like that you're doing this, but I also love the way that you're doing it. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank Talk you. about content creation. It's top tier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's effort, right? You can tell that you are putting effort. You're intentional about what you're creating and it means something to you. You're not just putting something out there, but you can tell you were intentional in curating this content. And I appreciate it as someone who's watching. Uh, so tell us how you decided to shine light on those things in your life and bring it to us. Yeah. It's so funny because a lot of the times I'm like, and, and it's interesting just how things have changed as far as like my social media content creation has gone. So like, I feel like when I first started doing this type of stuff, I did it because I enjoyed it. I love shooting and editing. Um, I know a lot of like people started out as MMJs as I did and they hate, <laughs> hate it. the shooting and the editing. Like they're just like, I just want to be on camera. Like all the other stuff, y'all can keep it. Right. I love shooting and editing. Like that is like, I feel so much joy. It comes so easily to me. Like I can do that all day. I was actually just talking to a friend earlier today and I was like, you know what, in this season of, of life, it's been really nice to like partner with brands and just like wake up and like pitch to brands, but also have partnerships that I have to like go and shoot and blah, blah, blah. Like it hasn't even felt like work at all, you yeah. know? And so, but it's interesting because like I said, it started out as like, oh, this is just something I do. It's fun, fine, whatever. But yeah. I think recently in the last few years, I've thought to myself, like, I want to serve people. Like, how can I use this to serve people? How can I use yeah. this to help people? So whether it's giving people suggestions on what to do in their city that I may have visited or places to go, places to go, places to eat, um, things to avoid, whatever, like. I'm just like, how can I serve people in some kind of way? Or even like my cooking videos, I started out as a horrible cook. Like yes. I talk about in college, how like, <laughs> and I only learned how to cook because again, thinking about my future family, I'm like, I'm gonna need, a, need to know how to cook so I can feed my kids. I always just say that in college. Like, <laughs> well, I'm gonna feed my kids. Well, bye. But that was always my thing. So I'm like, I have to learn how to cook. And I remember um, one of my college roommates, whenever she would walk in, she'd be like, girl, what are you burning today? And it was never like, what are you cooking? It was always, what are you burning? What are you, so I was so determined to like, what are you burning? So I was so determined to like, learn how to actually cook for my kids, but also to prove her wrong. Like one day I'm gonna be cooking and not burning, <laughs> burning something. But even with that stuff, like that started out as just like, a, oh, let me just share my recipes, whatever. And then I started realizing that, yo, this is really helping people. Like I have people DMing me being like, I'm so glad I tried X, Y, and Z recipe. It made my life so much easier. I batched it for the week and I've been eating it all week. It's been bomb, blah, 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 or whatever. Um, and so once I realized like I could actually use this to serve people, whether it's the amateur cook who is struggling because that was me at one point um, <laughs> or whatever, just to inspire people and just to like help them in whatever way. So I think my content creation, yes, I still enjoy it so much, um, but it's gone from this thing that I just do because I enjoy it. And it's like, ah, let me share to like, no, how can I serve? Yeah. So. And you can tell, like it's apparent that yeah. shift has so been made. And I, like I said, I appreciate it as someone watching it and consuming the content. Um, it's certainly elevated over the years and kudos to you. It looks great. You've got me questioning my meals. You got me wanting to go to Liberia. Can we talk about that? Yes. Really oh my God. <laughs> Which honestly, I got to be better at putting the YouTube content out yes. on like, um, Liberia because I feel like Tons of people have been asking about that, but you know, YouTube is just, 
it's a job in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but I got to get back on top of it. But Liberia was quite the trip. It was my first time going. Yeah. Um, and I had always said my entire life, I had always said, I don't want to go until my mom is ready to go, which is very ironic because initially I wasn't even planning to go with my parents, but my parents had asked me to go. And I thought about it one day, like, this is something I've been saying for like decades. Like I I'm never going to go until my mom is ready to go. What are the odds that the first time I would go would be with my mom? Like, I didn't think yeah. that necessarily would have been the case, you know? Yeah. And so it's just crazy how things work. Like I, I'm such a big believer in the power of the tongue because truly like seen it happen time and time again. But yeah. um, so I went with my parents and it was her first time. It was a very, very emotional visit yeah. um, because again, the last time she was there, they were running for their lives yeah. um, because of the civil war. So very emotional, um, but also it was emotional, eye-opening. Um, I feel like there's so much potential for the country. Um, and there are some really interesting things there as well that you don't see people highlighting enough. And that's why I'm like, I need to get on it because I have a lot of that content <laughs> that, I, that I'm going to be highlighting, you know? So, um, but Liberia, like, I mean, it's, it's home for me. Um, and I look forward to going back. I really, really do. It has a lot of potential. A lot of work to still be done, but yeah. still a lot of potential. Tell us where your blog and your YouTube channel, where we can go and experience this, your travels, and some of your food and all of that stuff. Yes. So my food and travel content is on my blog called tripsanddip.com. So kind of a play on chips and dip, but tripsanddip.com. And then my YouTube is youtube.com slash Charlie Cooper. And it's a bunch of, it's, it started out as just like, well, actually it started out as just a place for my real yeah. For my um, resume reel. But then I started putting like cooking stuff on it during the pandemic. It was random stuff. And now I'm like, okay, I need to focus on just like travel and food stuff. Um, So in the coming weeks, months, fingers crossed, hoping yeah. to put more Liberia content up and then also Columbia content Um, because a lot of my Columbia content on TikTok has done incredibly well. And it's crazy how many people are so interested in places that like you wouldn't expect you know? And so I'm like, if I have the information, who am I to hoard it? Like, I'm happy to give it away and happy to help. So yeah. Well, I love it. I love it. And I know we've kind of talked about the future a little bit, the future kids and all the things. Um, what does your future happiness look like? Yeah. My future happiness looks like having a thriving family yeah. um, that makes an impact uh, just because that's just been so ingrained in me that I can't imagine living a life where it's just about us, you know, um, it's taking care of my loved ones who may need help. Um, it's giving back. It's yeah. having a scholarship. I've wanted to like have a scholarship for a refugee yeah. person for forever. And I'm just like, at some point it's going to happen. At some point it's going to happen. Um, so a scholarship in both of my grandmother's names um, for a refugee who's pursuing medicine or journalism, irony, Ooh. irony there. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, honestly, I think just overall, it's just having peace of mind. Yeah. It's doing the things that I love. It's serving other people. Um, and yeah, and I know that those are very general concepts, but I, I think it's okay that it's general, general yeah. because we evolve change and today peace of mind and joy might look like doing X, Y, and Z for me. And then in 10 years, it might look like something different. So Yeah. Well, good. I love that. Um, one of the ways that I end this show is kind of like a rapid fire game. 
I'm going to say a okay. word and in five seconds of, or less, I want you to share the first word that comes to mind. Ooh, okay. Ready? <laughs> yeah. All right. That was my rendition of a drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Food. Passion. Black women. Ooh, royalty. Mm, travel. Stories. Hustler. Me. <laughs> the dream. Ooh, um, giving back. Your future. Um, God led. Sorry, I know that's several words. No, it's fine. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. And finally, Charlie Cooper. Ooh, a resource. We love it. <laughs> All of those I were like multiple words. Forgive me. <laughs> you know what? I need to improve this little game because I need sound effects and all the things. I really shouldn't be doing my own drum roll, but <laughs> no, I like it. It's the it's the authenticity for me, okay? That's that's what it is about. So, Charlie, first of all, thank you so much. Again, thank like you. I said, thank you for your yes and showing up here and sharing your story, getting beat for Ben Worthy Pod. We appreciated um your story has inspired me over the years. And so I'm super excited to share it with others that they would hopefully be inspired by it as well. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I've loved watching your journey as a mom, as a wife, as a woman, as a beautiful black woman, like literally creating a lane for yourself. I'm sorry. I got to brag on you too. Cause it's, it's the truth. You talk about, I inspire you, you inspire me too. And that's, and that's a fact. And I just can't wait to continue cheering you on as you soar. Thank you so much. I appreciate you love and light to you and continued success on your journey. I can't wait to keep watching. the mocha podcast network an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians sherry shepherd and kim whitley we're funny and we have a yes. point of view we call that edumatainment that's what we call it is that what it is veteran tv journalist rolanda watts Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. 
with a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.